Hey, we're at the Dixie Cafe, and we're back here for the Thursday edition of the show that covers everything that's got to do with the good old South. Got some big-time news stories going on across the whole world right now. We'll bring you the latest on that blast out of Kabul and Afghanistan. Unfortunately, many soldiers of this country, it looks like, have been killed in that blast. And President Biden expected to give an address from the White House within the hour. We'll have all that info that we'll be passing on on today's Y'all Show. Also coming up on the Y'all Show for this Thursday, we will let you know about the latest out of Middle Tennessee. A local high school in Waverly is going to play this week at Nissan Stadium. That's the stadium that the Tennessee Titans play in. We'll tell you a little bit of bittersweet goodness coming out of this horrible tragedy in Waverly and Humphreys County, Tennessee, here this week. Speaking of weather, a tropical depression could become a major hurricane and folks in Louisiana starting to pay close attention to what's going on. People across the whole country paying close attention to gas prices, and it looks like we're in for a seven-year high at the gas pump as we head into Labor Day weekend. We'll bring you all the information about that. How about Memphis's own FedEx? FedEx is helping out in Haiti. Over 70 tons of medical supplies delivered to Haiti. We'll let you know about that on today's Y'all Show. And then from the category of dumb Southerners, and that would be D-U-M-M, from that category, how about a man in Georgia stealing a van? And that van contained some precious cargo inside. That van just happened to be a mortuary van, and there was a dead body in the back. And that dead body rolled out of the van when 23-year-old Kajon Griffin started stealing it. We'll give you all the latest out of Georgia, specifically DeKalb County. Don't want to blame this one on Fulton County. This one's DeKalb County with that dumb southerner story also we'll let you know out of louisiana sad story a high school football player there has died from covid19 we already saw this week in south carolina a young man dying during football practice here someone dying in louisiana as a result of covid19 plus in our headlines today we'll tell you how in virginia one industry has really boomed boomed like it never has before the liquor industry will explain how the Commonwealth of Virginia and its citizens have been patronizing the liquor store for the last year. See, some people have benefited. I would say a lot of people have benefited from the pandemic, and liquor stores are just one example of that. Also here on today's Y'all Show, a man from Mississippi tried to do something really good, a nice gesture, a good southern charm, if you will, And it ends up, in his act of kindness, a rattlesnake got loose in a man's pickup truck. I'll explain all that here on our headlines. I know you don't want to miss out on that. We also have sports news coming up here on today's Y'all Show. We will give you the latest from college football. We've been telling you about many programs announcing who their starting quarterback is going to be heading into the first game of the 2021 season. However, some of the great coaches across the Southeast are being a little coy. They don't want to show their cards at this point. 
and one such coach is the Sark. Steve Sarkeesian, the new coach of the Texas Longhorns, is not announcing who's going to be taking the reins of his Longhorn football team when they suit up in the first game, and they've got Louisiana Lafayette coming to the 40 Acres next weekend. That's some of the sports news. Today, we've got a lot of college football spotlights to tell you about, and that's because we're going to squeeze in today info on both the University of Georgia and Florida State University. Yours truly has to go to a doctor's appointment on Friday, so I'm going to go ahead and knock out some of these spotlights today. And on Friday, if you tune in, you'll be getting a best of y'all show on our great affiliates of the Southeast. So just pointing that out. And as a result of that schedule change, that programming change, we're going to push up Florida State to be included in today's show. So here in hour number one, we're going to take you to Athens, Georgia. You'll hear from the head coach of the Dogs, Kirby Smart, talking about his 2021 football team. We'll walk through UGA's schedule, and we'll talk about some of the history of the Georgia football program, a program that has won a few national championships, but it's been, this year marks the 41st year since Clemson, or rather Georgia, won a national championship. I had Clemson on my mind because it was in 81 that their neighbors across the other side of Lake Hartwell won a national title. But today it's all about the red and black of Georgia and the garnet and gold of Florida State too. So hour one, Georgia will tell you about the team, the schedule. Kirby Smart will be speaking. Hour two today, we're going to squeeze in a bunch of info on the Florida State Seminoles. We'll be telling you about what's going on with Mike Norvell's program, walk through the Knowles 2021 schedule, give you a nice little salute to Bobby Bowden, who will be honored this year. We just lost Bobby Bowden earlier in August. His He died at the age of 91, this great FSU coach, two-time national champion coach in Tallahassee. So we'll talk about that, plus some of the traditions of Florida State University plus famous alumni of FSU. That's coming up in hour number two. Hour number two also today will include a look at some entertainment news. We've got Justin Moore info. This guy has hit another number one on his record, and I'm going to play this great song as we start our report on Justin Moore. His song, We Didn't Have Much. It's a good one. And this Arkansan has another number one We'll tell you about Justin Moore. We'll tell you about Honey Boo Boo. She's in the news. Yes, we and we'll let you actually go back and listen to some great, great Honey Boo Boo clips. I know you've been wondering what happened to Honey Boo Boo. Well, she has all, almost all grown up. I think she's almost 18. She's not quite there yet. But we're going to give you a report out of the Peach State about Honey Boo Boo and some other entertainment news coming up in our number two. Also, Melissa Rhodes, oh, she does such a great job. Melissa's going to be having a Southern report on business. That's coming up hour number two. Hour three today, we'll get back to telling you about the Georgia Bulldogs. We will discuss Ugga, the cutest little bulldog maybe out there, and certainly recognized as one of the greatest live mascots in all of college sports, and the great tradition not only of having a live bulldog, but the care and the way that whole bulldog program the live bulldog program is handled at the university of georgia is something special so we'll discuss that we'll also discuss between the hedges and the other great things that make georgia bulldog fans 
so much in love with the dogs. That's coming up. Famous alumni of the University of Georgia. And we'll just have a good time talking about them dogs. That's coming up hour two. Plus, we'll also an hour. That's coming up in hour three. That special salute to the Georgia dogs. But also in the final hour of today's y'all show, we will go through a list of about 16 great events going on starting Friday all the way through Sunday. Events across the southeast. We've got some awesome, awesome things taking place from blues festivals to festivals for seafood and wine. We also have a hat, stick, and stiletto fall blues fest taking place in the southeast. And then in Cookville, Tennessee this weekend, they've got a film festival put on by the local PBS affiliate WCTE. And I'm going to tell you about WCTE Cookville, Tennessee as we have our salute. Plus, don't forget, the summer is quickly coming to an end. And if you can get to Virginia Beach this weekend, there you'll find the Virginia Beach Funk Fest Beach Party. All that right here as the summer's quickly coming to an end. Oh, by the way, got to tell you, we're also going to tell you about the West Virginia Cupcake Festival taking place Saturday in Hurricane West Virginia. All that right here on Talk with an Accent on the South. 803-816-1170. That is the way to get in touch with us. We would love to get your input. We broadcast on awesome radio stations across the Southeast. And we all are available. Our show, if you can't catch us live on the radio or you can't be here at the Dixie Cafe to see us putting this show together in the flesh, hey, we got podcast options. You can check us out. We are on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are on Stitcher. The TuneIn app has us. The iHeartRadio app has the Y'all Show. Got a lot of places you can find us. But one of the easiest places to find us is also, it just happens to be the homepage of the South. That is y'all.com. And you can, you can go there, learn about the show, learn about y'all.com. I've got to get on there soon and do a little self-promotion. i got to let y'all know about me. There's no reason to have a website unless you don't promote yourselves, right? Well, i gotta, I got to tell you about y'all, and i got to tell you about me. i got to tell you about the Johnster. Yeah, all that right there, I have it, and, and it's my responsibility. I'm the one that can get on there and put it up. So, hey, note to self, do that. All that right here. Y'all talk with a southern accent. Thank you for being a part of our show. Okay, let's get into headlines. And sadly, 12 service members have been killed in blasts near the airport in Kabul, Afghanistan. The Pentagon confirming this. General Kenneth McKenzie said the threat from ISIS is extremely real. 24-7, we are looking for them. Man, I don't want to get too political. I don't want to get too gloom and doom but this is a disaster and i'm afraid what they're saying here today 12 is a very mm, low bar here I, I i mean come on if you've got any sense if you've got any brains in you if you're out there listening you know we're going to have a lot more americans we're going to have a lot more of our military killed in afghanistan we have absolutely completely screwed this one up 
and I shouldn't even say we. We know who is responsible for this. You can truly point to one person on this one. And he could have done so much better, should have done so much better. He's got a press conference coming up at the top of the hour. We'll try to maybe go live and pull that in if you'd like us to. Uh, I know it's a mess. It's been a mess for 20 years, and it's not Joe Biden's fault that American soldiers and Americans have been in Afghanistan for 20 years. But we're trying to make the we're trying to get out of there. That that's okay. I think most people would say, okay, it's time. 20 years is enough. But this exit is horrendous. I mean, it is it is in your face. These people have been given an absolute gift and they should not have been given anything and i know some of the blame here falls on the previous leadership of the nation if you want to even call it that of afghanistan their president remember he fled right when this thing really started to turn fled with a lot of cash and cars and we find out now that for 20 years we've been funding the military there the evidently very well-paid military of afghanistan and it's just, I think in the end, we're going to find out, going way back to George W. Bush's term in office, there have been a complete swindling that's gone on in Afghanistan. And everybody that's been a part of that should pay a price. I truly believe, as I, I fancy myself as a conservative, but within the conservative, or if you want to call it Republican ranks, you got some war hawks you got some people like the Lindsey Grahams through the years and people that served before him even that pushed for military involvement. And I know the excuse to go into Afghanistan was to go after the Taliban and go after Osama bin Laden, but that guy's been dead 10 years. And I'm hearing interviews now, I'm sure you have too, with some of these modern leaders of the Taliban, and they swear, not that you want to take their word for it, they swear they didn't have anything to do with September 11th, 2001. Was that an excuse? I mean, we were lied to, no doubt about it, by our own president back in 2003 when we were told there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and we had to go in there and get them. And we never found them. And we lost thousands of brave American soldiers that will never be replaced. And we've spent untold amounts of money for a lie, an absolute lie. That's why if you're a Republican and or conservative and you don't like Donald Trump, Donald Trump never cost, that I'm aware of, senseless and needless American soldiers' lives, and he never did it with a big lie. He, they might have died under his watch, but he, they did not die because of an absolute lie. And that's what George W. Bush did. That's what happened. And, and so how can you criticize the Trump era? And, and if you want to criticize Joe Biden right now for the disaster there, again, if you were part of that war hawk movement, you might want to hold your, hold your tongue a little bit because this story is being written as we speak, and it's going to get uglier and uglier by the hour. And the Taliban have the momentum. They, they're the ones calling the shots. We might be or claim to be the most powerful country in the world, but we're listening to a bunch of illiterate, ragtag cavemen. And that's what the, Cali the Taliban has been through the last 20 years that Americans have fought there. 
And now these cavemen now are calling the shots and they're blowing up and they're going at it with ISIS. I guess Al-Qaeda is somewhere involved in the picture again. And we have lots of blame to go around on this end for sure. But how humiliating is it to sit there and see these Taliban leaders saying what they're saying? And and one of those leaders said that they didn't have anything to do with the September 11, 2001 attack on the United States. And, again, not trying to get all conspiracy theory here. The guy might not be telling a, a lie. He could be saying the truth because, look, we, we know that this government, our government, lied about Iraq. So they could have lied about not Osama bin Laden. Now, surely, surely to goodness, he had something to do with September 11th. But they, the nation of Afghanistan suffered as a result of Osama bin Laden. And it's just, it's just an unfortunate, horrible thing. And these people now, because of the humiliation that they're bringing on this world power called the United States, they've got all the cards. They, if I were them, I would absolutely kill every American. I would kill every Westerner. And as as a third world, as archaic as these people seem, they've already told women to stay out of the streets I mean, they're probably going to start killing women. If you're a woman and you voice one thing, you're a dead woman. That's how these people think. And is it our right to go in there and try to fix it? No, we've been there 20 years. We failed that. Nobody should fix it. If, if, if that's the way this country's going to go, we, we just need to let them go. However, they've got a lot of reasons to be really ticked off at the United States and Western, the Western world. And they've got money. They've got weapons. And I'm afraid they're going to try to get revenge in a big way, even bigger than they've already done. That's what's scary. That's what I think Joe Biden could have done a whole lot more. This exit could have been so much more organized. And, look, the guy was asleep at the wheel. When he went to Camp David instead of hanging out at the White House with staff to try to figure this out, you can't figure this out the way he did it by himself at Camp David. And then ignoring, I mean, he knows he screwed up. I told somebody earlier, he's got a press conference coming up soon. There's a possibility Joe Biden might just throw in the towel and admit, I screwed this one up. I don't deserve to be commander-in-chief. That's something to think about. Uh, he's got an, like an emergency conference coming up soon. So just, unfortunately, a developing story. Let's not discount the fact that, again, Dozens, over a dozen soldiers killed today. Now the count's up to at least 15 U.S. service members. I'm sorry, around 12 confirmed dead, at least 15 injured. Two U.S. intelligence officials said the assumption is that the suspected attack was caused by ISIS. ISIS-K is what it's called. And the Pentagon trying to put their spin on it, but just unfortunate news. And we have this deadline coming up in less than a week that the United States and its Western allies all are supposed to be out of there. Man, what a absolute mess. We now have a final death count coming from Middle Tennessee as the official death toll last body found from the weekend's floodwaters that killed now officially 20 people. That's what happened in 
Waverly, which is Humphreys County in Middle Tennessee, you also had flooding and loss of property, perhaps lives also lost in Dixon County and in Hickman County in Tennessee. And we've been reporting on that this week in a way to help out, in a way to help out their fellow Tennesseans. The NFL franchise, the Tennessee Titans, are going to allow the Waverly Central High School football team to play at Nissan Stadium. Titans president Burke Nahill announced today that this would happen, and this comes after floodwaters ripped through the Waverly Central Tigers athletic facilities from the past weekend. The Titans also said they would make a $50,000 contribution to the Waverly flood relief, and that's going to go a long way. Again, helping out their folks from about an hour away. If you want to help out the Waverly Tigers, you can go to their Venmo account, and that is at Tiger Football. Also, you can go to any first bank in the state of Tennessee and donate to Tiger Football. Again, the NFL Tennessee Titans going to have a high school football game played when the Waverly Central High School Tigers come over to Nashville. And this will likely be the first positive thing for that community in a week when they get a chance to play in this massive, beautiful stadium right on the banks of the Cumberland River. Good job on the Tennessee Titans front for allowing this to happen. We have a tropical depression forming, and it could become a major hurricane. According to forecasters, the greatest risk along the Louisiana coast. So keep your eyes on the tropics for a few days. This tropical depression has just formed today in the Caribbean, and it could become this major hurricane by the time it reaches the northern U.S. Gulf Coast over the next couple of days. At least that is the word forecasters are saying. The National Hurricane Center said today that the risk of a life-threatening storm surge, damaging hurricane force winds, and heavy rainfall on Sunday and Monday are in play. And they're in play along the northern Gulf Coast from the Florida Panhandle to the upper Texas coast. And as they said, the greatest risk right now is along the coast of Louisiana. The depression, as it currently is located, it's about 13 miles per hour with its its wind speed. And it is expected to become a tropical storm sometime tonight when it passes over the Cayman Islands. So weather is back in the news in the tropics right now with this likely tropical storm turning into a hurricane. Still not named at this point, but forecasters paying close, close attention to this as it just formed today. Here on the Y'all Show, we talk news, we talk a little politics, we talk a little opinion from time to time. We want to hear your opinion if you've got something to say. 803-816-1170 is the way to get in touch with the show all about the Southeast. When we come back, we've got a sports report, some quarterback news to pass along. Plus, we'll tell you what the Pac-12 has just said today in terms of expansion. They're trying to give the SEC a little competition. We'll let you know about that when the Y'all Show Talk with an Accent on Everything Southern continues.
I think that song would be a little bit more southern if the words were country as I collared green. Taking you back to the mid-90s with a little ricochet. Welcome back. It is y'all. I am the general of all things southern. My name is General John Rawl, CSA, a certified southern American. And right now here on the Y'all Show, I'm going to switch over to the sports front for a few minutes. We'll take you to Austin. Where the head coach, the new head coach of the Texas Longhorns, Steve Sarkeesian, says he is not, and I repeat, not ready to name the starting quarterback for the Horns opener against Louisiana Lafayette. Now, the Horns have wrapped up training camp. Casey Thompson and Hudson Card have been sharing snaps evenly with the first-team offense ahead of that September 4th opener against number 23 Raging Cajuns, Billy Napier's Louisiana Lafayette team coming across the Sabine River. Again, Sarkeesian saying, I have not named a starter. I guess there is nothing to share. Okay, Coach, let's not get too wordy, if you don't mind. The quarterback duel remains the biggest question mark about Sarkeesian's debut season at the 40 Acres. And Sarkeesian again coming to Austin after being the offensive coordinator for Nick Saban and helping guide the Crimson Tide to another national championship in the 2020 season. Now, last year, the Horns were guided by Sam Ellinger, and he started for most of the last four seasons before heading to the NFL and being a good quarterback. It looks like a backup quarterback, if you will, currently. I think he is with the Indianapolis Colts is where Ellinger found himself a roster spot at the current time. Sarkeesian went on to say that it is about competitive advantage. It's truly about trying to do what's best for his football team. Texas, not naming a starting quarterback. I almost have Texas's first couple of games memorized. I'll, I'll do my part. Again, I know coming up on that opening Saturday, it has, they have coming into Austin – the Raging Cajuns. And I know just after that, Texas, I think, plays Rice. I know they got Arkansas coming up early in the season, too, which is kind of neat. They do play Rice, but they play Arkansas first. Okay, so September 4th, Coach Sark plays Louisiana Lafayette at home. Then they play the Razorbacks. In Fayetteville, that's going to be a giant game on September 11th. That famous 1969 game reenacted there in the Ozarks. Then back home to Austin at DKR Texas Memorial Stadium, the Rice Owls and a blast from the Southwest Conference passed for a second week in a row, in this case against Rice, after following the Razorbacks September 11th. Then they open up Big 12 play in Austin against the Red Raiders of Texas Tech September 25th. And with Texas recently announcing they were SEC bound, many have to wonder just how well these other Big 12 teams are going to welcome in, if you will, the horns for a football contest. Because something tells me there's some serious pelvis hurt going on throughout the Big 12 right now with both Texas and Oklahoma uh, rejecting the other members of this conference to go on to the bright lights of the SEC and having expansion 
take place in the Southeastern Conference. Speaking of college football expansion, the Pac-12 today says they're not pursuing any plans for expansion at the current time. And the conference said they're going to end speculation about whether that 12-team league might try out try to add any of the eight schools in the Big 12. Now the Pac-12 with a unanimous decision that just was announced today, and that comes after the Pac-12, the Big 10, and the ACC earlier this week announced an alliance that ultimately aims to stabilize a volatile environment throughout college athletics by collaborating on weighty issues facing the industry and agreeing to create a future scheduling partnership. Now, the decision of the Pac-12 to not go try to raid the Big 12, for example, is a lifeline, if you will, to the Big 12 conference as it gives that conference a chance to add teams and remain a viable conference. But the Big 12 still has a lot of lot of problems because they're going to have to add their schools in from the group of five, and that's not going to boost their resume of strength, if you will. And are other Big 12 members not going to look to the west, but are they going to look to the north like a Kansas? Is the Jayhawk program going to try to make a real bid to get added to the Big 10? If they were smart, they would be making those phone calls. They would be doing everything they can to get out of the Big 12 conference. And what about Iowa State? I don't I don't really know the true feud, if there even is one, between Iowa and Iowa State. But you'd think if there's not that big of a feud, perhaps the Hawkeyes would want to have the Cyclones in the same conference with them. And would they go to bat? I think that's happened before. I know that is what happened when Virginia Tech got added to the ACC. The Cavaliers essentially went to bat for the Hokies and said, let's bring them in. We've been in the state all these years. That's not going to change. I know they've been in something called the Big East Conference for a long time, but in the end, we think it would be better for this conference and even for us to have an in-state arch rival. And that's why the Hoos and the Hokies teamed up some 15 years ago as ACC brethren. But again, the story out of the Pac-12 today, they say, take it for what it's worth, that they're not going to be trying to pursue other members at the current time. Only time will tell. We will have more sports news and notes going on throughout the day here on Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. When we get back together with another Sports Blast, we're going to tell you about this final preseason weekend for the NFL game scheduled for Friday and Saturday. No Thursday games this week for NFL teams. Then they enjoy about a week and a half before they all kick off their brand new 2021 season. So some NFL football news coming later in the Y'all Show. Up next, we're taking you to Athens and talking about the Georgia Bulldogs. That's our featured school today. We'll do it right after this. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. 
John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. You know, college football's start is just hours away when we get here on our 44-city tour across the South to one of the classic college towns in all of America. This town is so classic, it's called the Classic City. Today, we are in Athens as the Georgia Bulldogs are our featured school. I'm going to tell you about the schedule. I'm going to tell you about Georgia Bulldog football history and more. Enjoy a little Georgia fight song. Go dogs! All right, Kirby Smart is guiding the Georgia Bulldogs. This is roughly his fifth season now being head coach of the Red and Black. I'm going to tell you more about this Montgomery, Alabama-born football coach in a second. We'll also walk through what some of the experts are saying about Georgia football 2021. Georgia opens up the season against the Clemson Tigers. This is going to be perhaps the best football game of the entire opening weekend. Clemson and Georgia truly are rivals. They just don't play all that often, although they're only about 90 minutes away from each other. And when you get up to that corner of Georgia or that corner of the upstate of South Carolina, that's all you see are either Tiger Paws or that Georgia G. A few Gamecocks sprinkled in. And Tacoa. I know there's a lot of Georgia Tech fans there. But for the most part, it's Clemson and Georgia all throughout North Georgia and in that little northwestern corner of the Palmetto State. So Clemson and Georgia get together, but they're not playing on each other's campus this year. They're playing on a Saturday night at Bank of America Stadium, a neutral site as Duke's mayonnaise. Uh, You know it's a southern thing when Duke's mayonnaise is part of the fun. The Duke's Mayo kickoff between Georgia and Clemson, and that's going to be September 4th. ABC has that prime time broadcast coming your way on that opening weekend of college football. Woo, that is going to be something extra special. And if you're a college football fan like I am, and you've got a memory that's pretty long and nostalgic, Clemson and Georgia have had some great games through the years. Their games in the 1980s determined which one of those two was going to win the national championship. Never forget Kevin Butler nailing an unbelievably long field goal to get an escape, a a big win that probably cost Clemson a national championship, another national championship. Remember, these teams were back-to-back national championships. 1980, Georgia. 1981 Clemson, and then I think it was 1982, Georgia was undefeated and lost the Sugar Bowl. Perhaps it was 81 they lost the Sugar Bowl, and that's what let Clemson get the win when Clemson beat Nebraska in the Orange Bowl. But great Southern schools. I love the fact you got SEC versus ACC when these two get together. About the rest of the schedule, Georgia Bulldog fans, They're in Sanford. They play between the hedges 
UAB is the opponent on September 11th. The dogs welcome in those pesky roosters from Columbia. South Carolina is the SEC opener for Kirby Smart's team. That's on September 18th. The dogs head to Music City. Vanderbilt awaits September 25th. Vanderbilt Stadium, the location. The dogs home against Arkansas. Throughout history, Arkansas has given Georgia a lot of fits. And the hogs come in October 2nd. The Dogs and Auburn have the Deep South's oldest rivalry. That game is going to be played October 9th at Jordan-Hare Stadium. The Dogs have the Kentucky Wildcats coming in for a game October 16th. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party will be played this year October 30th. That's going to be crazy. Halloween weekend and these two, Georgia and Florida, getting in together for their CBS mid-afternoon special from Jacksonville. Georgia and Missouri play at Sanford Stadium November 6th. The Tennessee Vols host the Georgia Bulldogs November 13th, that from Neyland Stadium. The Buccaneers of Charleston Southern are Georgia's last home game of the year. The Bucs come in for a game November 20th. And then the regular season finale is at Bobby Dodd Stadium. Georgia Tech and Georgia clean old-fashioned hate November 27th. Kirby Smart guides this program. His record as a Georgia Bulldog head coach, 52-14. and 14. He took over the program in 2016. And just to give you an idea of the job he's done, that first year he went 8-5. and five. Since then, he went 13-2, and two, nearly lost, nearly won a national championship, probably should have won a national championship, losing in that national championship game in the extra period. Georgia went... 11 and 3 in 2018, 12 and 2 in 2019, and last year, the crazy year that it was, 8 and 2, and they beat Cincinnati in the Chick fil A Peach Bowl. So he's done unbelievably good, this former Georgia Bulldog player turned coach. He was a defensive back back in the late 90s and got a chance to go be an assistant coach and has worked his way through the ranks. And now, after, again, five years on the job, after being Nick Saban's defensive coordinator for about seven years, what a job he's done being the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. Kirby Smart is a mere 45 years young and already has claimed an SEC title in 2017 and has led his team to three SEC championship appearances as his teams have won three Eastern Division crowns and nearly won a national championship during that 2017 season, I guess it was. Kirby Smart. Now, what's on tap for Georgia Bulldog football in 2021? The pundits are weighing in, and it all boils down to the California kid transfer. JT Daniels, a former USC Trojan, who got past a torn ACL to come on strong in 2020 and become a great quarterback for Georgia down the stretch. And he is a good quarterback in part because the Dogs' offensive line is loaded. Four starters expected back, and that starts with Jamari Salyer. And he is on the left side of the line for the Georgia Bulldogs. They also have very good guys in the backfield. Junior Zamir White and James Cook, both with large carry loads, if you will, in their offensive performance. 
And you know a Kirby Smart coach team is going to have a solid defense. According to the experts, they predict Georgia to be right there in the mix for a potential SEC East title this year. Who are their real competition this year? I would say only Florida. I can't imagine Missouri is going to be where they need to be. Tennessee is a rebuild. Vanderbilt is a rebuild. South Carolina is a rebuild. Kentucky could be a little bit of a a challenge in the SEC East this year. But right now, it looks like Georgia, which missed out on the East title in 2020. Georgia lost to Florida in the cocktail party. And that doesn't sit well in Athens. It doesn't sit well in Thomasville, nor does it sit well in Thomas Stun. They want to see these dogs back playing for titles. And Georgia's 2021 season under JT Daniels and having him behind center is going to go a long way to make those dreams come true. Kirby Smart was just asked about his football team the other day after practice. Let's go in and hear from the coach of the dogs talking about his 2021 Georgia Bulldogs. We want to dictate to the defense what we do. But at the same time, some of what they do matters. You know, if they, you know, every defense we play will be different. There'll be three down fronts, four down fronts. There'll be uh, big, small, experience in this level, experience on that level. We want to take advantage of what they give us. So I don't know that we can, we can identify what we want to work on. But we're just trying to figure out who the best football players are, not the guy that knows the signal the best and can go actually. We're trying to figure out who the best football players are. And that's been our intent in two scrimmages is not – to go out and trick the defense. We're, we're going out to play fundamental football. And now it'll become a little more scheme because we got to figure out exactly what each guy can do and what he does well and who we want to become. Uh, we've really settled into the five that are, that are repping with the ones. We just rotate to get depth and rotate guys around. There's still good competition going on at tackle. It's good competition going on at center when, when Warren's been healthy to practice uh, since his return from the injury. So he's been able to practice some and do some things. And then Schaefer and Tate have uh, been primary at guard, but we've shuffled some guys around at guard to to get different guys in there. So, I mean, I feel good about our depth at our offensive line. And, you know, we still got time to determine who the, the starting five will be in terms of the tackles. But it's not like we're out there doing musical chairs. I mean, they, they play 20 plays one way, and then they might play another 20 another way just to, to get the best guys on the field. Jalen Kimber, Kamari Laster have done a really good job. Um, you know, Nylon and LC continue to work. They're working with a corner position. DK, Keely, and Amir Speed and Jalen Kimber bring us the most experience, those four guys. Kamari is obviously the youngest, but he's he's worked all over the place. The guy's played almost every position on the field, and uh, he's, a, he's a bright young player um, that has good instincts, and we got to find a home spot for him to get him more reps and ready to play. But all those guys have done a great job. And that, the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs, Kirby Smart, as he's getting his unit ready for the start of the 2021 season. Again, that opener for UGA, it's going to be in Charlotte against a very good Clemson Tigers team, a top-10 matchup between Ugga and the Tiger. And that is going to be September 4th from Bank of America Stadium. Prime time on ABC. A win there and some big wins along the way. And the Georgia Bulldogs just might be in the hunt for a national title national title this year. In fact, just to give you an update on Georgia's national championship claims, they claim four. They claim four. Actually, one, two, three. They claim six, actually, now that I look at it. Going way back to 1920, they claimed that when they claimed 1927. 
I don't think there's any doubt they are the undisputed 1942 national championships. Wally Butts was the coach back then. Also claimed a national championship in 46, 1968, a year that they lost a Sugar Bowl game against Arkansas, and they still claim it. No doubt they won the 1980 national championship. Vince Dooley was the coach. Jim Akata came over to check the game out in New Orleans as the Dogs defeated Notre Dame 17-10 in the Sugar Bowl and wrapped up a 12-0 season and were the unanimous, I believe, unanimous national champions in 1980. A guy named Herschel Walker was in the backfield back in that 1980 season, and they had some really, really good players like Buck Ballou, Lindsey Scott, run, Lindsey run, and just a fantastic history. Don't want to leave out some other great players from Georgia Bulldogs history. That is Charlie Trippy, the great Georgia Bulldog player right after World War II. He was one of the best in Georgia history. You also have Heinz Ward from the 1990s. His team's never really had a chance to play for a national championship team, but Heinz Ward, a good one. How about players who went on to be great coaches, the Will Muschamps? Oh, okay, maybe he wasn't so great. He was a good coach. How about Kirby Smart, former Georgia Bulldog player? How about, let's see here, just so many. Georgia has had a such a long storied history of having great coaches and players come through that program. And Georgia with its traditions that we're going to tell you a whole lot more about in our number three today. Just truly one of our great Southern programs and great Southern football teams. And today, Athens, Georgia, and Sanford Stadium, where the dogs play between the hedges, our latest stop on our tour, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 season. We'll come back, have a quick hashtag, Blue, and roll on more with this first hour of Talk with a southern accent. Go, you hairy dogs. How about them silver britches? All right, we're going to wrap up hour one here today with a little social media fun. I am not a member of TikTok. That was a word we said a whole lot about on the Wednesday y'all show but just kind of scanning TikTok for just a second I got to point out the TikTok channel of Playboy Katie that's P-L-A-Y-B-O-I-C-A-T-I-E and if you go and watch her she's got something up where she says all right y'all I'm about to put y'all on the best southern mac and cheese recipe so who knew that you could find recipes for mac and cheese on TikTok? But that's just one of the many, many millions of people on that Chinese app. And I don't know if the Chinese not know what mac and cheese is. And I, I'm sure they don't know what the South is. And that's just fine with me. And it's probably fine with y'all. We'll take a break. Come back. Hour two. We're going to try to go to the White House and get some words from the President. Joe Biden addressing the nation here in a few moments. We'll have that and more conversation about Dixie coming up in hour two. Thanks for listening. (music) 
We're back here at the Dixie Cafe, the intersection of hot water cornbread and hot southern conversation. I'm John Rawl, and this is the Y'all Show. Thank you for taking time to join us on our journey across the Southland. Coming up here this hour, we're going to tell you about the Florida State Seminoles. We're squeezing in an extra school today since we'll have to go to an encore Friday. i got to go to a doctor's appointment. Sorry about that, y'all. It happens to the best of us. We'll be doing that today fsu here in the second hour plus we'll also have an entertainment report some honey boo-boo news and we'll let you hear the new number one song from justin moore Alyssa rhodes also stops by later in the hour as she has a report on southern business if you want to get involved with the show about the south it's very easy to do all you got to do is text us our number is 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all.com. The eyes of the world are on Kabul, Afghanistan. A deadly attack there. At least 12 U.S. service members killed. We're monitoring the White House. Joe Biden is expected to come out any second and speak to the nation. We will carry that here on the Y'all Show as soon as the president steps out into what looks like the Rose Garden to address the media. Again, a deadly attack. I think dozens injured, to say the least. And you also have, from Kabul, Afghanistan, 12 reported, and that number could easily go up, 12 U.S. service members that have lost their lives in this deadly attack in this absolute horrible scene that we have been watching and paying attention to for now just over a week and a half those scenes coming from afghanistan as we have had just a horrible exit from that country i don't know how much joe biden's going to go into that today during his address to the nation but he's coming out it looks like right now so let's go to washington dc and to the white house no that was just a Another Marine. I'm sitting here watching the feed. He'll be out here momentarily. Never carried a state address from the Commander-in-Chief live on the Y'all Show before, but uh, we're going to see what we can do to to do that here on today's Y'all Show. Is he going to be doing this, it looks like, outside as opposed to being inside? And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says they will take reporters' questions. That's something that they don't always do in the current administration following this press conference where he's going to address the Kabul suicide. And this is not a blast singular. This has been multiple suicide blasts that have taken place in that city, the capital city of Afghanistan today. So we are closely monitoring what's going on in D.C. right now. want to also remind you, as we continue to look at headlines here today, A tropical depression has formed in the Gulf of Mexico, or it looks like it's headed to the Gulf of Mexico. According to forecasters, the greatest risk appears to be the coast of Louisiana. And this thing likely going to show up sometime over the weekend. Late Thursday, the depression had maximum sustained winds of 35 miles per hour and was located 115 miles southwest of Negril, Jamaica. That's where it was located today. And it is traveling northwest at 13 miles per hour and is expected to become a tropical storm sometime tonight when it passes over the Cayman Islands. So 
a weather watch for sure across the south. This thing appears to be Gulf of Mexico bound, and it's dead center, at least on the projections, for the coast of Louisiana. But it has that, that bubble of uncertainty that goes all the way from Key West to Corpus Christi, essentially. So if you have a Gulf Coast presence or you're planning on going to the Gulf Coast of the United States in the next couple of days, you better pay close attention to this latest weather item that's popped up here today, and we'll do our best to keep you up to date. Another story coming out of Washington, D.C., Ashley Babbitt, this woman that was killed back on January 6th, an officer there with the Capitol Police shot her. The identity of this woman's shooter has never been identified as Ashley Babbitt was among the hundreds that went into the Capitol that day, and she was the only one that was at least killed by an officer, at least with a gun at least, as she was shot that day. And this person who shot her and killed her, who's not been identified publicly at least, is now going to go out this week and do an interview as NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt will be revealing this person's identity in their first televised interview. And they're going to talk about the January 6th riot. And NBC News in a release today says, speaking out and revealing this person, it's a man, according to the release, speaking out and revealing his identity for the first time, the officer will share his perspective on the events of the day, including the aftermath of the deadly insurrection and the threats he has received. He will also discuss the recent news that Capitol Police will not discipline him following an internal review, exonerating him for use of force. Again, that the news today that this officer with the Capitol Police in Washington, D.C., not only have they been exonerated, but they're now going out and going to do an interview. I'm surprised at that. I'm surprised this person even wants to... identify who they are the person who shot and killed this air force veteran ashley babbitt also moving along with more headlines as we await president biden to come out and address the media here in just a second gas prices i wonder if joe biden's going to talk about this anytime in the near future gas prices are currently at a seven-year high for labor day travelers that's not what you wanted to hear prices For Labor Day weekend, just one week away, prices expected to average $3.11 a gallon. That is 90 cents higher than Labor Day 2020 and the highest since back in 2014. That, according to the analysis firm. Gas Buddy has cited companies reopening offices increased travel for the higher prices, but cautioned the Delta COVID-19 variant is making predictions difficult. So that, the news about gas, and a lot of people are feeling it when they go to the pump. That's why Tesla is probably benefiting a big, 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 bigly, to quote the 45th president here. The switch back to the winter gasoline blend and drop in demand toward the holiday season should lead to the further price decreases toward the end of the year. That is what one expert in the gas petroleum industry has cited. And I just told you about Gas Buddy. If you don't have that app on your phone, it's Gas Buddy. It's it's a really neat little app that you can have if you are into adding apps. 
And Gas Buddy does, I think, the best job of tracking gas prices everywhere. In your small town, in bigger cities, and you can have it set up no matter where you are. It identifies where you're located. You click on it, and it shows you the price. I'm just going to test it since President Biden's taking his time to come out. I'm going to test it right here from the Dixie Cafe and tell you what it shows me about where I am. When you click on it, it says find gas. So I click on that, and it does its real-time analysis. And right now, I have gas in my area as high as $3.09 and as low as two sixty-nine. And both of these places, the highest and the lowest, are within a three-mile window of where I am. That's a 40-cent spread. And how is that possible? 269 lowest and 309 the highest. What kind of place is 269 and what kind of place is 309? Let me see if I can't tell you. 269, where are you? Where are you? Well, Sam's Club's pretty cheap, but it's not the cheapest. Might want to tell them that. 269. Uh, and this also depends on people to report prices. They want you to to please share what you know about gas prices. I'm not able to pull that up right now. The cheapest, but I told you one that was around 272. Let me tell you ones that are over, and I'm not going to publicly give them their full name here because the price could have changed. But I see a 309 at a gas station that has a foreign country's name as part of its uh, as part of its name. And again, I don't blame that particular company. I blame this particular station for having gas. 40 cents higher than the cheapest place in the in in the home of the Dixie Cafe. So <laughs> just check that out sometimes if you want to maybe look at a way to save a little money. Gas Buddy is a, is a nice free app that I think does a, a good job. You know who else is doing a good job? FedEx. FedEx is sending a flight or multiple flights to the nation of Haiti, and they're delivering over 70 tons of medical supplies. Crews at Memphis's FedEx hub loaded 79 tons of these medical supplies onto a FedEx plane today, and that is headed straight to the island nation of Haiti. The supplies will help people in need after that deadly earthquake a couple of days ago that killed more than 2,200 people, and that followed, let's see, a hurricane that came through there, and maybe they've also had flooding. Haiti has had so many problems. And then... Oh, by the way, the president of the country got assassinated just over a month ago. The shipment out of Memphis to Haiti includes prescription medications, IV solutions, emergency medical backpacks, and other critical medical supplies. And Memphis and its FedEx, which has such a big presence in the Mid-South, and Fred Smith's company, so massive, so important in their role that they have, in that city, their home city, and here today delivering 70 tons of medical supplies to a very embattled country of Haiti. A river in Alabama is going to turn crimson next week, and it's not in support of the Alabama Crimson Tide. No, if you go down to the Black Warrior River in Tuscaloosa, it won't be the river in Alabama turning a crimson color. It is going to be a North Alabama river.
Starting next week, the Alabama Department of Environmental Management is going to be testing the water flow on the Flint River from Hazel Green. That is in the north end of Madison County near Huntsville. They're going to be testing the water flow of the Flint River from Hazel Green to Owens Crossroads, both of those communities in Madison County, Alabama. And the test will invo- it involves red dye being put in the river at different locations in order to observe. Now, this red dye, according to authorities, is not harmful. The exact day the test begins isn't known yet, and tests will only be conducted weather permitting. But, yeah, a red river in Madison County, Alabama. And that might not go over too well because there's a ton of Auburn Tiger fans in Huntsville, Alabama. And as you get up there on that county line and that state line on the north end of Madison County, you're just a couple of miles when you're in Hazel Green from Fetville, Fetville, Tennessee, and that is where there are bukus and bukus of Tennessee volunteer fans. And I know they would love to go out to the Elk River, which flows in their part of the world in Lincoln County, Tennessee, and flood that boy with good old big orange dye. <laughs> so you could have competing river colors if given the opportunity. But yes, again, the Flint River of Madison County, Alabama being turned red, or I say crimson. Actually, it might not be for the crimson tide. The high school of Huntsville, Alabama, who knows that? If you know the mascot, the nickname of Huntsville High School, text me. I want to know because I do know. I'm going to tell you in a second. 803-816-1170. What's that mascot of the Huntsville High School, Alabama teams? It's a different name. It's an unusual name. That's why I'm asking. I'll give you about 15 seconds. I'm also giving Joe Biden about 15 seconds to get out of bed and address the country here in a second. Okay, the answer to that would be the Huntsville High School Crimson Panthers. That is their name. Pretty unusual name for that high school in the state of Alabama. Okay, next to the category of absolute stupidity. A man in Georgia stole a van, and when he stole the van, something came out of the back of it. 23-year-old Kijan Griffin remains at large after stealing this van in DeKalb County, Georgia. Now, what makes this story newsworthy is Mr. Griffin's choice of a van to steal was a van that was owned by a mortuary in the Atlanta area. And this guy went into the mortuary's parking lot, which actually was for a crematory that they had. He stole the mortuary home's van, and a dead body was in the back of it. And the dead body came out of the van as he went speeding away. And he's still at large. What an absolute moron. And it looks like the press conference at the White House now been shifted back inside, and that's where the president is going to speak here in just moments. But, yeah, if you're looking for Keyshawn Griffin, he's in a lot of – He's in a lot of trouble, and I would say a lot of that trouble he's in is not necessarily from the authorities. How about the family of the person who was dead in the back? I mean, that's just absolute rude what he did. 
and he is being sought out right now for what he's done stealing this mortuary homes van. They put out a mugshot of Mr. Griffin, who remains on the loose after having stolen a mortuary van this week. The owner of the van is Stan Henderson. He's with the Stan Henderson and Sons Mortuary in Stockbridge, Georgia. And he had a good quote about what happened, what Mr. Griffin did. He said, it's ridiculous that the dead can't even rest. Now, police chased Griffin from the city of Conyers to DeKalb County, where the van became disabled after striking multiple vehicles, and it also blew a tire. Hmm, but he's still on the on the loose, and perhaps he and that wouldn't be nice for him and the guy in the back to switch places for a second and and have knuckleheads like this not be heard from again. Perhaps I don't know. That's not that's not a nice thing to say here on on the show about the South. Republicans in Texas are pushing ahead on a voting bill now that the Democrats are back in Austin. Remember, these Democrats took off for Washington, D.C., and they had a 38-day walkout. But now, today, Republicans in Austin pressing forward on a third try passing new voting restrictions after Democrats return from this walkout with little ability now to stop the bill from reaching Governor Greg Abbott. This 50-page bill headed for early passage in the Texas House where some but not all of the more than 50 Democrats who fled to Washington last month to temporarily block the legislation remained absent. But it looks like with enough Democrats back to secure a quorum and allow business to resume in the Capitol, Republicans are now trying to get the elections bill across the finish line before the Labor Day weekend deadline, and that's when Texas goes away for Two years, they don't get together in Austin every year for their state political talk. It's only a, what is that, a biannual agreement that they have there to get together. I guess it would be odd number of years where they get together and have policies put in place in the Lone Star State. Also, we'll take you back to Washington, D.C., and it looks like an update on the Capitol Police officers. You might have seen back in the end of July, several Capitol Police officers testified. Benny Thompson of Mississippi chaired that commission of which they came and testified. And these Capitol Police officers, looks like they're going to sue President Donald Trump and his allies over what they call the insurrection. The suit in federal court that was filed alleges President Trump worked with white supremacists, violent extremist groups, and campaign supporters to violate the Ku Klux Klan Act and commit acts of domestic terrorism in an unlawful effort to stay in power. (sighs) I don't know about that one because I've not seen, and I know I haven't seen it because it would have been maybe the biggest story we've ever seen if there was a direct connection already out there that proved the White House was working with white supremacist groups. This is, I think, the definition of a frivolous suit. It appears, it appears, but everybody can have the right to sue or do whatever else. The suit filed on behalf of the seven officers that worked for the Capitol Police by the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. It names the former president, the Trump campaign, Roger Stone, the former President Trump ally from South Florida. It also names members of the extremist groups, the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers, who were president, they were present back in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. And again, these officers 
suing the president and his allies over the what they call insurrection from Washington, D.C. back on January 6th. Okay, still awaiting President Joe Biden to come out in Washington, D.C. If you've got something to say about what's going on in Afghanistan, if you've got something to say about what's going on anywhere in the South, our number to reach out to us here is 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call at your, at your will. Whenever you have a moment to reach out, we would love, love, love to hear from you on the show that's all about the Southeast. And then we also have that email address that's available for you to call upon your availability. And we would love to hear from you there as well. And that number is, the email rather, is mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all.com. And if you've got a recipe or a picture of the grandkids, whatever else you want us to know about, we have that email inbox and we check it we check it frequently it doesn't cost you a penny and we're glad to share here on the y'all show what's going on across the country and what is going on across the nation let's continue on with a headline here today this is a sad headline coming to us from louisiana where a high school football player has died from covid19 this was a 14 year old louisiana college football player who passed away, Patrick Sanders of Baker, Louisiana. He died on Wednesday from COVID-19. The police chief of Baker, Louisiana, Carol Dunn, told the news outlet that the entire football team is now under quarantine out of an abundance of caution. Again, this young man who was a football player, and a young football player, of course, being only 14, losing his life to COVID-19, and another unfortunate thing, I don't have the school of which this young man was a football player for that wasn't put out, at least in the release that I got. But according to East Baton Rouge Mayor President Sharon Broom, she put out a statement, so I assume that's where this is located, in East Baton Rouge, where the young man was from. Today, our parish learned of the heartbreaking loss of a young Baker resident due to COVID-19. Every death from the virus is one met with immense sorrow, especially the passing of a ninth grader from our community. At this point, every resident of our community has been impacted by COVID-19. This goes to show that even our youngest and most resilient loved ones are at risk. It is my hope that we can come together to prevent further loss. My prayers are with the family, friends, and community of Patrick Sanders. And that, again, coming from the parish president, of East Baton Rouge, Sharon Broom, talking about the loss of this 14-year-old high school football player, Patrick Sanders, dying from COVID-19 here this week. In Virginia, they, like many southern states, have seen a boom in a certain line of business since the pandemic began, and now they've got the results to prove it. Liquor stores in Virginia have had record sales. They like to drink when there is a pandemic. Virginia's ABC's unaudited draft. Its financial results show gross revenue in Virginia of $1.4 billion, and that is up $163 million from fiscal year 2020. During fiscal 2021, 
Retail sales grew nearly 15% with an increase in online orders in addition of six new stores that were available and brand new in the Commonwealth of Virginia for people to go. People drank at home, and then when they could, they drank at bars and restaurants. And they also patronized their Virginia Alcoholic Beverage Control Authority liquor store. It's kind of weird. Okay, President Biden's now speaking in Washington. Let's go to the president as he addresses the nation. Terrorists attacked that we've been talking about and worried about that the intelligence community has assessed, uh, has undertaken an attack by a group known as ISIS-K. Took the lives of American service members standing guard at the airport and wounded several others seriously. He had also wounded a number of civilians and civilians were killed as well. I've been engaged all day in constant contact with the Pentagon as well as in Afghanistan and uh, Doha. And uh, my commanders here in Washington in the field have been on this with great detail, and you've had a chance to speak to some so far. The situation on the ground is still evolving, and I'm constantly being updated. These American service members who gave their lives It's an overused word, but it's totally appropriate here. We're heroes. Heroes who've been engaged in a dangerous, selfless mission to save the lives of others. They're a part of an airlift, an evacuation effort unlike any scene in history, with more than 100,000 American citizens, American partners, Afghans who helped us, and others taken to safety in the last 11 days. Just in the last 12 hours or so, another 7,000 have gotten out. They were part of the bravest, most capable, the most selfless military on the face of the earth. And they're part of simply what I call the backbone of America. They're the spine of America, the best the country has to offer. Jill and I, our hearts ache, like I'm sure all of you do as well, for all those Afghan families who lost loved ones, including small children, or been wounded in this vicious attack. And we're outraged as well as heartbroken. Being the father of an Army major who served for a year in Iraq and before that was in Kosovo as a U.S. attorney for better part of six months in the middle of a war. When he came home after a year in, a, in Iraq, he was diagnosed, like many, many coming home, with an aggressive and lethal cancer of the brain. We lost. We have some sense, like many of you do, what the families of these brave heroes are feeling today. Get this feeling like you're being sucked into a black hole. The families of those heroes 
That obligation is not temporary. The lives we lost today were lives given in the service of liberty, the service of security, the service of others, in the service of America. Like their fellow brothers and sisters in arms who died defending our vision and our values in the struggle against terrorism, of the fall on this day, they're part of a great and noble company of American heroes. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this, we will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. I will defend our interests and our people with every measure at my command. Over the past few weeks, <clears throat> I know you're many of you are probably tired of hearing me say it. We've been made aware by our intelligence community that the ISIS-K, an arch enemy of the Taliban, people who were freed when both those prisons were opened, has been planning a complex set of attacks on the United States personnel and others. This is why, from the outset, I've repeatedly said this mission was extraordinarily dangerous and on why I've been so determined to limit the duration of this mission. As General McKenzie said, this is why our mission was designed, this is the way it was designed to operate. Operate under severe stress and attack. We've known that from the beginning. And as I've been in constant contact with our senior military leaders, and I mean constant, round the clock, and our commanders on the ground throughout the day, they made it clear that we can and we must complete this mission, and we will. And that's what I've ordered them to do. We will not be deterred by terrorists. We will not let them stop our mission. We will continue the evacuation. I've also ordered my commanders to develop operational plans to strike ISIS-K assets, leadership, and facilities. We will respond with force and precision at our time, at the place we choose, in the moment of our choosing. Here's what you need to know. These ISIS terrorists will not win. We will rescue the Americans in there. We will get our Afghan allies out. And our mission will go on. America will not be intimidated. And I have the utmost confidence in our brave service members who continue to execute this mission with courage and honor to save lives and get Americans, our partners, our Afghan allies out of Afghanistan. Every day when I talk to our commanders, I ask them what they need. What more do they need, if anything, to get the job done? As they will tell you, I granted every request. I re reiterated them today on three occasions that they should take the maximum steps necessary to protect our forces on the ground in Kabul. And I also want to thank the Secretary of Defense and the military leadership of the Pentagon and all the commanders in the field. There has been complete unanimity from every commander on the objectives of this mission and the best way to achieve those objectives. 
Those who have served through the ages have drawn inspiration from the book of Isaiah. When the Lord says, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? American military has been answering for a long time. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, send me. Each one of these women and men of our armed forces are the heirs of that tradition of sacrifice, of volunteering to go in harm's way, to risk everything, not for glory, not for profit, but to defend what we love and the people we love. And I ask that you join me now in a moment of silence for all those in uniform and out, military and civilian, who have given the last full measure of devotion. Thank you. May God bless you all, and may God protect his troops and all those standing watch for America. We have so much to do. It's within our capacity to do it. We just have to remain steadfast. Steadfast. We will complete our mission, and we will continue after our troops have withdrawn to find means by which we can find any American who wishes to get out of Afghanistan. We will find them and we will get them out. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. You have said leaving Afghanistan is in the national interest of the United States. After today's attack, do you believe you will authorize additional forces to respond to that attack inside Afghanistan? And are you you prepared to add additional forces to protect those Americans who remain on the ground carrying out the evacuation operation? I've instructed the military, whatever they need, if they need additional force, I will granted. But the military from the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, the Joint Chiefs, the commanders in the field have all contacted me one way or another, usually by letter, saying they subscribe to the mission as designed to get as many people out as we can within the time frame that is allotted. That is the best way they believe to get as many Americans out as possible and others. And with regard to finding, tracking down the ISIS leaders who ordered this, we have some reason to believe we know who they are, not certain, and we will find ways of our choosing without large military operations to get them, wherever they are. Um, Trevor, Reuters, 
Thank you, Mr. President. Um, there's been some criticism, uh, even from people in your party, about the dependence on the Taliban to secure the perimeter of the airport. Do you, do you feel like there was a, a mistake uh, made in that regard? No, I, I, I don't. Look, um, I think General McKenzie handled this question very well. The fact is that we're in a situation, we inherited a situation, particularly since, as we all know, that the Afghan military collapsed 11 days before, in 11 days, that it is in the interest of, as McKenzie said, in the interest of the Taliban, that, in fact, ISIS-K does not metastasize beyond what it is, number one. And number two, it's in their interest that we are able to leave on time, on target. And as a consequence of that, the major things we've asked them, moving back the perimeter, giving more space between the wall, stopping vehicles from coming through, etc., searching people coming through. It is not what you'd call a tightly commanded, regimented operation like the U.S. is, the military is, but they're acting in their interest, their interest. And so, by and large, and I've asked the same question, to military on the ground, whether or not it's a useful exercise. No one trusts them. We're just counting on their self-interest to continue to generate their activities. And it's in their self-interest that we leave when we said and that we get as many people out as we can like I said, even in the midst of everything that happened today, over 7,000 people we've gotten out, over 5,000 Americans. So uh, it's not a matter of trust. It's a matter of mutual self-interest. And uh, But there is no evidence thus far that I've been given as a consequence by any of our commanders in the field that there has been collusion between the Taliban and ISIS in carrying out what happened today, both in front of the hotel and what is expected to continue for uh, beyond today. Um, Amir, Associated Press. Oh, th thank you, Mr. President. You have spoken um, again, powerfully about uh, your own son and the weight of these decisions. With that in mind, and also what you've said, um, that the longer we stay, the more likelihood that there would be a major attack. How do you weigh staying even one more day considering what's happened? Because I think what America says matters. What we say we're going to do in the context in which we say we're going to do it, that we do it unless something exceptional changes. There are a 
additional American citizens. There are additional green card holders. There are additional personnel of our allies. There are additional SIV card holders. There are additional Afghans that have helped us. And there are additional groups of individuals that have been contacted us from women's groups to NGOs and others who have expressly indicated they want to get out and have gathered in certain circumstances in groups on buses and other means that still presents the opportunity for in the next several days between now and the 31st to be able to get them out. And our military, and I believe, to the extent that we can do that knowing the threat, knowing that we may very well have another attack, the military has concluded that's what we should do. I think they're right. I think they're correct. And after that, we're going to be in a uh, circumstance where there are, will be, I believe, numerous opportunities to continue to provide access for additional persons to get out of Afghanistan, either through <coughs> means that we provide and or are provided through in cooperation with the Taliban. They're not good guys, the Taliban. I'm not suggesting that at all. But they have keen interest. As many of you have been reporting, they very much would like to figure out how to keep the airport open. They don't have the capacity to do it. They very much are trying to figure out whether or not they can uh, maintain what is a portion of an economy that has become not robust, but fundamentally different than it had been. And so there's a lot of reasons why they have reached out, not just to us, but to others, as to why it would be continued in their interest to get more of the personnel we want to get out, we can locate them. Now, there's not many left that we can assess that are, want to come out. There's some Americans we've identified, we've contacted the vast majority of them, not all of them, who don't want to leave because they have they're dual nationals, they have extended families, etc. And there's others who uh, are looking for the time. So that's why we continue. Take- all right, that was President Joe Biden from the White House as he's addressing the nation after the attacks in Kabul today, both at the airport and at the hotel in that capital city of the nation of Afghanistan. The news today, at least 12 U.S. service members killed and roughly 20 or two dozen that we know of injured in this blast or series of blasts from Afghanistan today. And Joe Biden addressing the nation, it looks like he is... uh, kind of wrapping things up after only taking about three or four questions. I think it looks like that. We'll take a break. 
More of the Y'all Show is coming up. We will tell you about some sports goings on, and before the hour is up, we'll discuss the Florida State Seminoles. Stay with us on the show about the Seminoles. Jumping those hills with Luke and Bo, plastic cap guns and a swimming hole. Don't get no dirt on your church clothes. Win or lose, we cheer for the Braves. Ten percent in the often place. Sunday chicken and a NASCAR race. Should be nice to get back to that place. There was dirt on Daddy's clothes. We're putting that. Begging old mama stove dog barking in the yard at a truck we don't know. All we had was us. Had a little bitty house and a lot of love. We had it all when we didn't have much. That's on right there, country is cornbread. That's a little Justin Moore music for you here on Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern and the native Arkansan Justin Moore. He was born in Poyan, Arkansas, the 37-year-old country music singer. Congratulations to Justin. He's just landed his 10th number one single at Country Radio with that one right there. We didn't have much. That's a great song. Let me brag on Justin Moore for just a minute. With that being his 10th number one, let me tell you the other great songs of Justin Moore's career. He got going on the charts some 13 years ago. Had Small Town USA. That went right to number one. He also had a big song with Backwoods. How about If Heaven Wasn't So Far Away? That was a great platinum-selling song from Justin Moore. Till My Last Day was a number one for him. Point at you. That's a, it wasn't number one. It was a great one off the beaten path, the record that was on. Letting the Night Roll was a number one for him. How about You Look Like I Need a Drink? Woo! Good one there. Somebody else will was a number one. And then here in recent times, 2018, the ones that didn't make it back home. Man, what a touching song Justin Moore had with that one. Why We Drink was a number one in 2019. And now this one, We Didn't Have Much, his 10th number one song, a song written by Jeremy Stover, Paul Giovanni, and Randy Montana. And it is off of We Didn't Have Much, the album, and that's the number one song, again, from Arkansas native Justin Moore. Way to go. I'm going to tell you a little bit more country music news here. This is part of our entertainment report on Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. First up, to Georgia we go, and an update on Elena Thompson. Do you know who Mrs. Thompson is? Or should I say Miss Thompson? That is Honey Boo Boo. And she's now talking about being a teenager and overcoming tough times. The girl who spent much of her childhood on reality TV series has done an interview with Teen Vogue about the difficulties that she's experienced growing up on TV, including her mother's substance abuse and her struggle to make friends in high school. Her mother, Mama June Shannon, back in March, told Access Hollywood that she and her boyfriend, Gino Doke, 
had spent almost a million dollars on her addiction when they, as she put, was using. <laughs> Not good English there. And now, again, Elena Thompson, a.k.a. Honey Boo Boo, who is turning 16 years old this weekend, by the way, out talking. And on this group of TV shows that TLC had, Toddlers and Tierras, that was one of them. There was a show called Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. This group of folks, this cast of characters from McIntyre, Georgia, got to be known throughout the country. And sure enough, Anna Marie Chickadee Cardwell, born in 19... No, I'm sorry. I've got the wrong wrong kid here. My apologies. Elena is the one born August 28th. She has the same birthday as Anna Marie Chickadee. They both share August 28th. So she and her older sister have the same birthday. How about that? But this week, they both celebrate birthdays. In this case... Honey Boo Boo turns 16 years old. And here is a little blast from the past in case you've forgotten who Honey Boo Boo is. Enjoy this. I take the notes. We're going to do something for Mama's birthday. Mama, take Mama to the circus. Mama is a circus. Okay, that's enough, don't you think? I think so. That, again, the Honey Boo Boo report here on today's Y'all Show. Let's move over to telling you about Casey Musgraves. She is giving fans new music for her own birthday, as she has had a birthday this week. Her birthday was August 21st. In a whole bunch of Instagram posts, the Texas singer, she tiled visually as a clouded sky moving from bright blue of day to a darkened night as the singer presented fans with a chill-inducing taste of brand new music. The first of the 15 social media posts gives 20 seconds of an audio-visual. And I went and listened to this from Casey Musgraves. I'm not impressed. Casey, you need to go back to the drawing board because I really like you as a singer and as a songwriter. I don't know where you're coming from (laughs) with this latest album. The Grammy-winning Casey Musgraves, the Grammy-winning singer teasing hauntingly beautiful divorce ballad that's a song perhaps you can hear on this little tease of her new music coming out now lastly in our entertainment headlines dolly parton news dolly believes she got more credit than she deserved for funding the moderna vaccine that was something done by the vanderbilt university medical center she donated a million dollars for the moderna created version of the covid19 vaccine and now she's out saying that She just thinks she is getting too much credit. She told digital radio station Absolute Radio Country that she just felt like she needed to do something because I knew something was bad on the rise and I just wanted to kind of help with that, so I donated to help with that. Mine was a small part, of course, but I probably get a lot more credit than I deserve, but I was happy to be part of that and able to try to stop something in its tracks that really became such a monster for all of us. I was happy to do that. And as a recipient of Dolly's vaccine, the Moderna, I say thank you, Miss Dolly, for helping out the world with the addition, thanks to Vanderbilt, of the Moderna vaccine. Y'all talk with a Southern accent. We've got a quick look at the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to do that next as we're going to give them a little love getting ready for the start of the 2021 season. This is Talk with a Southern Accent. Justin, take us to break. Don't get no dirt on your church clothes. 
Win or lose, we cheer for the Braves 10% in the often place Sunday chicken and a NASCAR race Should be nice to get back to that place There was dirt on daddy's clothes Everybody, join me. Let's do a little tomahawk chop and do it in honor of the place that this thing originated, Florida State University. Thank you, Deion Sanders, for bringing that to the Braves. Y'all talk with a southern accent because of the Joe Biden press conference. That's kind of eaten into our hour here, so we're running out of time. So we're going to give you a very, 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 very brief Look at Florida State football as we're having to squeeze them in today as we're not going to be able to do an original show Friday. We will have an encore show for all of our great affiliates across the southeast. But FSU football, we're going to tell you a little bit about the schedule and also some traditions before we get out of here this hour and get back to the Georgia Bulldogs and tell you about the dogs in hour three. The FSU Seminoles opened the 2021 schedule, and it's going to be a great one at Doak Campbell Stadium Notre Dame is the opponent on Sunday, September 5th. Sunday night football in that opening weekend of college football from the Doak, the Irish, and the Knowles. And that's going to be such a touching game. That will be the first football game played at Bobby Bowden Field at Doak Campbell Stadium as Coach Bowden passed away earlier in August. It's going to be a great memorial, I'm sure, for him. And a big game for the Knowles, Mike Norvell. Now getting ready to coach his second full season, I guess it would be, of the Knowles. Beyond Notre Dame, Jacksonville State is game number two at the Doak. The Knowles travel to Wake Forest to start the ACC season on September 18th. Other games of note, a big game on the road at North Carolina, October 9th. They've got Clemson on the schedule. They travel to Clemson on October 30th. They play the Canes at Tallahassee on November 13th. And then they wrap up the regular season also on the road at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, Florida Field. It's the Knowles and the Florida Gators in that great rivalry game. That's set for November 27th. Mike Norvell is the coach. He came over to Tallahassee from the University of Memphis where he led them to an unbelievable 2019 season. And now entering his second season. His first season in Tallahassee was not very good, three and six. But we all know all of the challenges that happened. And now this coach who played his collegiate ball for the Central Arkansas Bears, the 39-year-old coach, Mike Norvell, with a great opportunity to get FSU back to the mountaintop. FSU under Bobby Bowden won a couple of national championships. They claim three in their program history. Two under Bowden, 1993-1999. Jimbo Fisher led them to the mountaintop in 2013. FSU has won a whole host of conference titles, mostly in the ACC since they joined that conference in the early 1990s. Great players have come out of Tallahassee. 
Jameis Winston, Heisman Trophy winner. They've had Heisman Trophy Chris Winkie, who came there after a baseball career. Charlie Ward, great football player that chose the NBA, played for the New York Knicks for a long time. So many great players. Deion Sanders, don't want to leave him out. Florida State University in Tallahassee. It actually has only been a school that has guys in it where it was a women's only school up until after World War II. And what a tremendous turnaround for this gigantic school in the state capital. 41,000 students enrolled at FSU. Over 33 of those would be undergraduates. And I better not leave out Burt Reynolds, as he's probably the most famous former Florida State football player. Other famous alumni of the university, how about Richard Simmons? Ooh, I haven't heard his name mentioned in a long, long, long time. And, of course, Burt Reynolds, a FSU alum. You also have, how about Virginia Carr? Do you all know who that is? She, a professor in academia, a Florida State alum. A couple of astronauts have called FSU home. And you also have the current head coach of the Miami Hurricanes, Manny Diaz. How about actress Faye Dunaway, Cheryl Hines? And you also have Robert Urich. I didn't realize he went to Florida State. So many great alums. The traditions of FSU, it all starts with Chief Osceola riding out on Renegade at a ball game at Doak Campbell. That's such a beautiful sight. The very distinctive school colors of garnet and gold. The marching band, the marching chiefs, that war chant of which we just heard, played. How about the sod cemetery? That's a pretty cool tradition where they take the sod of stadiums where they've won big road games and they bring that sod back to Tallahassee and they plant it there. It's pretty pretty neat. Outside the stadium, the unconquered statue of the great Seminole featured there. And the uniforms of Florida State, such a big part of the FSU tradition and here at the Y'all Show, apologies again to Florida State for having to give you a very brief profile here in this second hour of our show today, but we can't help it. Kind of got knocked off by the president with his address about Afghanistan. We got one last segment here of this hour. Melissa Rhodes is going to be back just after this timeout, and she's going to tell us all about the business of the Southeast. Go Knowles! We'll be right back with more y'all. southern accent here's the business south update from y'all.com i'm melissa rhodes gas prices are definitely up across the nation on average a dollar more than this time a year ago fox news on youtube caught up with commuters in northern virginia to get their high gas reactions it's crazy i have two cars so it's killing me it takes 60 bucks to fill up the 2020 camaro and it takes 52 dollars to fill up my 2016 chevy malibu i drive less i don't i this is company truck so i drive their dance they pay for it so i have no issues with that but my cars i drive less inflation is really affecting us but i don't like it it kind of sucks i mean it makes traveling a lot harder um and that's something that a lot of people have been like waiting to do since spring of 2020 so it kind of sucks and it it's a damper on stuff. It's also interesting because a lot of people aren't driving to work anymore, so it doesn't really make a ton of sense that the prices would be as bad as they are. Business, news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. And thank you, Melissa, for that great report. And as she just said, in case you were maybe outside pumping gas at the time, gas prices right now 
in most cases, at least a dollar more than where we were just one year ago. One year ago, and I think, unfortunately, the number will continue to climb. Not good news in a world full of bad news. That's one more arrow in the thigh. At least it's not in the heart. We we can stomach it a little longer. Bring those gas prices down. You know what? We're going to bring you a whole nother hour of the Y'all Show. Hour three is up next. All right, final hour. Y'all talk with an accent on everything Southern. If you've got an accent, you're right at home. We are glad that you have shown up here on the show all about the South and appreciate our great listeners. I got to give a special hello to one of our listeners that I ran into. I guess I won't get him in trouble since I don't know his name. I ran into him at the gas station. I was going to get me a delicious biscuit at this gas station. You know you're Southern if you buy food at a gas station. And I was doing that earlier today. But this guy wasn't buying food. I had to wait for him, and, and I'm, I told him, I said, what you just did is pretty darn Southern. This guy didn't buy one. He bought two packs of delicious, I guess it's delicious, Red Man Chewing Tobacco. He bought him some chaw. And I had to sit there and watch him ask the clerk to get him a couple of red men out. So enjoy that. If that's what you want to have in your mouth while you're listening to the show that puts the South in your mouth, well, if, if that works for you, that's good. Meanwhile, I actually have me a delicious glass of tea that I actually still am drinking from that same gas station visit. Yes, I buy tea from gas stations in the South. And a lot of them do a good job with it. More on that as we continue on on the Y'all Show. Not today. I'll have to say that one for another another time. 803-816-1170. That is how you can get in touch with the program all about Dixie. We're broadcasting from the Dixie Cafe. Thank you for taking time. If you want to reach us here, telephone 803-816-1170. Email mail, M-A-I-L, at y'all.com. Thank you for being with us we're going to tell you more about the developments in afghanistan we played president joe biden's press conference from the white house in hour number two and we'll get the latest on the developing story from afghanistan coming up in just a few minutes we start off this hour of talk with an accent on everything southern with some sports news and notes and we start off here hour number two with some football talk and let's talk about the nfl We're going to have the final preseason of the NFL preseason weekend kick off on Friday. Nothing today. How lonely is that? We don't have a single football game today. But we're going to have college football Saturday. I better go ahead and pull that up here while I'm talking football. But first, let me tell you about this last preseason weekend for NFL teams. Friday, you got four games on the docket. The Colts will be at Detroit. The Eagles at MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the steel curtain comes south as they'll be playing the Carolina Panthers on Friday night. The Minnesota Vikings at KC as Arrowhead Stadium serves as host site for this game that will be broadcast on the NFL Network Friday evening. Saturday, 
You've got games all over the place. Green Bay at Buffalo, Baltimore at the Washington football team. Bears will be in Nashville to take on the Tennessee Titans. Arizona will be at New Orleans. Tampa Bay at Houston. The L.A. Rams will be going over to Denver. And the Chargers at Seattle. Saturday's NFL Network games are Packers at Bills. That one is set for 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 Central. The game between the Titans and the Bears will be on the NFL Network. That is 7 Eastern, 6 o'clock Metro Nashville time. And then the nightcap on the NFL Network features the Chargers at the Seattle Seahawks. That one's set for 9 Central, 7 Mountain time, or I'm sorry, 7 Pacific time. 10 o'clock Eastern, that's all you need to know. And I was wrong. There's some games on Sunday. Remember, traditionally, the last week of the preseason usually ends on a Friday. Then they don't get back together for their first preseason game until the next Sunday. Well, this year, there's actually a whole week that there's no games, nor preseason, nor regular season. So these NFL teams are having their last and final of three preseason games over these next three days. And then their next game, in some cases, won't be for over two weeks. Over two weeks because next weekend is Labor Day weekend and they don't play games next weekend of any kind. And then the regular season kicks off when the Cowboys visit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that Thursday following Labor Day. Sunday's NFL preseason matchups, Trevor Lawrence and his Jacksonville Jaguars will be at AT AT&T Stadium to take on the Dallas Cowboys. The Miami Dolphins, the Fish, swim up to the Queen City of Cincinnati. The Vegas Raiders will be in San Francisco. That ought to be fun. Back in the Bay Area for the first time. The Raiders and the 49ers on Sunday afternoon. The Patriots will be at the New York Football Giants. The Cleveland Browns visit Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Atlanta Falcons Sunday night. That game will be televised on NBC. In fact, the TV lineup for Sunday's games are all national television contests. The NFL Network has the Jags and Cowboys. That comes on first. Then mid-afternoon, CBS this week does not have golf coverage. They will have a football game mid-afternoon on Sunday, and that's the Bengals hosting the Miami Dolphins from Paul Brown Stadium. NFL Network has two back-to-back games, starting with the 49ers hosting the Raiders, then the Giants hosting the New England Patriots, and then that nightcap, the Cleveland Browns at the Atlanta Falcons. That game will be on NBC. So there's your lineup of professional football. Now, there are college football games going on Saturday. Let me give you the lineup. Six games. Not one single Southern team suits up this weekend. What does that say? The Big Ten's got a game. Nebraska will be at Illinois. That game set for a 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 noon Central Time kick on Fox. Saturday, college football is back. UConn is at Fresno State on Saturday. The Hawaii Rainbow Warriors will be traveling to the Rose Bowl to take on the UCLA Bruins. UTEP will be just across the Rio Grande, I guess, as they're taking on New Mexico State. Southern Utah is traveling to CFCU Stadium and visiting the San Jose State Spartans on a game televised on the CBS Sports Network. Again, six 
five. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to go back to college. Five college football games set up for Saturday if you want to check all of that fun out. To the Pac-12, they say they are not pursuing any plans for expansion at the current time. This follows this week's decision for the Pac-12 to join up with the Big Ten and ACC and form what they call an alliance that aims to stabilize a volatile environment and essentially trying to keep expansion madness from happening. And again, their commissioner saying they are not at the current time pursuing any new members. Take that one however you wish. Talk with an accent about the South continues. We'll keep it collegiate with you. After the break, I'm going to tell you about the University of Georgia. Go Georgia Bulldogs! We're going to talk about UGA. We're going to talk about Between the Hedges. We're going to talk about, oh, everything Georgia Bulldogs. All those dog fans better be ready to celebrate. It's all Georgia. Our latest stop is in Athens, and we're going to do that right after this break. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's y'all show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. It doesn't take a whole lot to get a Georgia Bulldog fan fired up. All they got to do is hear this right here. They come from near and far to support those dogs. We're the Y'all Show. We're on a 44-city tour across the southeast. We're just a couple of days away from the start of the brand-new season of college football. And dog fans cannot wait. They're chomping at the dog bone for Kirby Smart's team to go out there and get it going. This year, Georgia opens the season in North Carolina. I wonder the last time Georgia played a football game in North Carolina. Gosh, I I kind of sort of know a little bit about Georgia football. And, and they're not playing at a university in North Carolina. They're playing in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium. The opening game this year is the Dukes-Mayo kickoff game where the Panthers play ball in uptown Charlotte. It's the Georgia Bulldogs and their hated, hated rival from about 75 miles up Interstate 85. It's Clemson, the Cal College of Upstate Carolina, and the Cal College of Georgia, because <laughs> that's what they are. They're both the agricultural schools in their respective states of South Carolina and Georgia. Clemson and Georgia, the opening game for Kirby Smart's 
2021 football team. Hour number one, I went through all of the players, at least the players of note we heard from Kirby Smart. We let you know about the entire schedule and what the expectations are for the dogs in 2021. Let me tell you here in this little time that we have, let me tell you about the red and black and the school that it is represented by. And I'm going to tell you about some famous alumni and traditions. Georgia is a leader in the Southeastern Conference. They are certainly one of the top schools of the SEC. They're the flagship university of the Peach State. The Peach State, one of our most important southern states from a, from a term of population, business, culture, and more. And UGA has fans everywhere, but a lot of them are in Georgia, naturally. The University of Georgia, a public land-grant research university with its main campus in Athens. This school got started way back in 1785. It is one of the oldest public universities in the entire country. And it is the flagship university of the University System of Georgia. It's just like North Carolina. It's been classified a public ivy. So a very, very strong statement for UGA. Currently, its president is Jerry Moorhead. Georgia's current enrollment is just over 39,000 students. They have 30,000 undergraduates and another 9,000 postgraduates on the Athens campus. And if you go there on the Athens campus, as I have, I used to go to Athens weekly and host or help put on a talk show all about the Georgia Bulldogs, as I've done for a lot of colleges across the southeast. And it's a fun place. Man, I've had some good times in Athens, GA, usually on the weekend, not when I'm over there working. But so many people are drawn to Athens, drawn to it by its southern charm. The fact that it's not Atlanta, but it's still in the state of Georgia is a very good aspect of it. The school itself is a very good school, a historic school in the South. And all the variety that you have there is they have at UGA a law school. They've got a great school of journalism, the Grady College of Journalism. That is the home of the Peabody Awards, for goodness sakes. And just so much more about UGA. If you ever get a chance to please stop by and check it out. Some of the famous UGA alums. And I'm going to go to fanbuzz.com and get their breakdown. Uh, I'll just go to it now because they probably have this thing broken down pretty well. And they don't have them in particular numbers, so I'll just start here with a guy named Bubba Watson, a two-time Masters champion, former Georgia Bulldog golfer, and a Florida Panhandle native. Bubba Watson is a Georgia Bulldog alumnus. How about Maria Taylor, the one who just abandoned ESPN? You know, she started that on the SEC Network before that. She was on CSS Southeast. If you happen to have cable TV some 10 years ago, you might remember seeing her on their former Georgia Bulldog volleyball and basketball player, Maria Taylor, a dog. They also have another television personality as a UGA alum. How about Ernie Johnson Jr.? Of course, his dad involved with the Atlanta Braves and more, but Ernie Johnson Jr. is a Georgia Bulldog. Titus Burgess, the actor, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt star, 
Titus Burgess is a Georgia Bulldog. How about Heinz Ward, who played on some pretty bad Georgia teams in the 1990s, went on to be a two-time Super Bowl champion, MVP of that Super Bowl game that the Steelers had in Detroit that time. Heinz Ward, Georgia Bulldog. One of the great Georgia Bulldog alumni, according to this website, fanbuzz.com, Bill Goldberg, a former Bulldog football player and a WWE Hall of Famer. Goldberg is a dog. How about Terrell Davis, great football player, who, alongside Georgia Bulldog players of yesteryear, Charlie Trippy, Fran Tarkenton, Champ Bailey, Terrell Davis is one of the best. TD, a dog. And I just mentioned Fran Tarkenton, who led Athens High to two state titles and Georgia to the SEC title. Fran Tarkenton is a dog. How about, I didn't know this guy was a Georgia Bulldog, Wayne Knight, actor. Wayne Knight played Dennis Nedry in Jurassic Park or Stan in Space Jam. (laughs) Definitely a character actor. He attended Georgia but did not finish his degree until 2008. Actor, character actor Wayne Knight. Look him up. You'll know exactly who he is if you just do a simple Google search. How about the late, great, and former Yald Magazine contributor, and you can still find his stuff out there, Louis Grizzard, of course. He's a Georgia Bulldog. A great quote from Louis Grizzard. There's no such thing as being too Southern. I like that. I'm going to have to put that one on a T-shirt. Louis Grizzard, a Georgia Bulldog. The band R.E.M., its roots are in Athens, and their members, of course, people like lead singer Michael Stipe, Mike Mills, the bassist, and more, attended UGA. Another Georgia Bulldog, Alton Brown of the Food Network, studied at Georgia. How about Matthew Stafford, the new L.A. Rams quarterback? Of course, he was a Georgia Bulldog football player and did one heck of a job. Herschel Walker, you might remember him from the world of football. You're going to know him perhaps as being the next senator from the state of Georgia as he just filed paperwork this week to kind of look into being a senator in 2023. The 1982 Heisman Trophy winner, Herschel Walker, who went on to play for the New Jersey Generals, Donald Trump's team in the USFL. And this website, fanbuzz.com, has what they think is the most famous alumni from the University of Georgia. That distinction goes to a guy named Ryan Seacrest. Ryan Seacrest, who actually spoke back in 2016 to the commencement of Georgia, and he got an honorary degree. I'm not sure if he actually graduated from UJ or not. Uh, He went there to study journalism, and he even had his own radio show, at an Athens radio station. Georgia Bulldog, Ryan Seacrest. Some of the great traditions that you'll find if you go to a Georgia Bulldog football game. Of course, where they play, Sanford Stadium. Now the field they're christened after the longtime head coach, the guy that led them to the 1980 National Championship, Vince Dooley. It's called now Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. It is the home of the dogs. And that right there is a tradition for Georgia. you got to know how to spell dogs. It's D-A-W-G-S. I cannot stand it when I hear UW, a.k.a. the University of Washington, 
calling themselves the dogs. I can't stand it when I see Mississippi State calling themselves the dogs, D-A-W-G-S. Georgia created that. It's Georgia. Stop copying them. That's Georgia. And good for them for coming up with dogs. They really should officially change the nickname of their teams to the Bull D-A-W-G-S. That's, that's what I would do if I were there at Dooley Field at Sanford Stadium. You know, and if I was there, I would be right between the hedges. That is a true landmark on the UGA campus. These hedges, which circle the field there of Dooley Field, are five feet tall and five feet wide, and they, according to many, protect the most sacred space in college football, the turf there, of which Louis Grizzard's ashes were spread when he died in the 1990s. The hedges, a true southern tradition, and you'll find them right there at the University of Georgia. Also at UGA, a tradition, calling the dogs, and you'll hear the Red Coat Band chant it. Go dogs, sick them, woof, 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 woof. Calling the dogs is something that every Georgia fan enjoys doing. Woof, 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 yes. The Red Coat Band chant has another favorite. When's that coming down the track? Or I'm sorry, what's that coming down the tracks? And people respond, go dogs, woof, woof, woof. Okay, the fight song of which we played earlier, Glory, Glory, has been a Georgia Bulldog tradition. And it is their own rendition of the Battle Hymn of the Republic. I've always wondered why a school nestled right in the deep south, a school representing a state that for 50 years and even today still has a flag that is a Confederate flag or has part of a Confederate flag as part of its official state flag, how they would have a Yankee tune to be their fight song is beyond me. Of course, Auburn kind of has the same thing. But, yes, glory, glory, Georgia fans like that one. Other traditions, what a great mascot they've got in Ugga. The costume mascot is Harry Dog. But the way Ugga is handled with his owners living down in the Savannah area and escorting him in a Cadillac way for ball games, a tradition I was not aware of until I started going to Athens all the time was the Chapel Bell. That's on the north campus in That's something that Georgia fans ring when there is a victory there on the Georgia Bulldog game days. So, so many traditions, and one of the traditions, I'll tell you, as a guy who grew up not liking the Georgia Bulldogs, one of the traditions they have, they have some very arrogant fans. I would say the worst fans in college football because Georgia fans talk trash, even when they're losing. You know, a lot of schools, when they're losing – They just kind of shut up and go away and want to talk about something else. Nah, Georgia fans want to even rub it on more when they're losing. That's at least been my experience. But today in Athens, a great town, an awesome college environment at the University of Georgia, and it's been our pleasure here to mix in UGA into our travels across the southeast. We're just days away from the start of college football and the University of Georgia, and those dogs, our latest stop as we prepare you for the start of the season. In addition to Glory Glory, another great song the Red Coat Band plays is Hail to Georgia. This is going to send us to break. More of the Y'all Show is coming right up. We've got an update on Afghanistan. That's ahead. 
We're wrapping up the Y'all Show here Thursday edition. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us here on the show about the Southeast. Again, the big story across the globe today, suicide bombers attacked crowds in Afghanistan, one at a hotel in Kabul, the other at the airport there in Afghanistan's capital city. And the sad news, at least 12 American soldiers Killed today and dozens more wounded. General Frank McKenzie, a Birmingham, Alabama native and a graduate of the Citadel. General McKenzie, head of U.S. Central Command, said there was a large amount of security at the airport and alternate routes were being used to get evacuees in. The blast came hours after officials warned of a major attack, urging people to leave the airport, but that advice went largely unheeded by Afghans desperate to escape the country before the August 31st deadline. About 4 o'clock Central today, 5 o'clock Eastern, Joe Biden, actually it was 20 minutes after the hour, he spoke in a presidential address about what was going on in Afghanistan and the loss of life. And we carried that here on the Y'all Show. If you want to rewind, if you're listening to our podcast, you can find out what the president said again about this deadly day in Afghanistan with the loss of life of American troops. More to come in this sad and developing story from the other side of the world. All right, wrapping up our headlines today, how about this story coming to us from the Twin States? And that would be a man in Mississippi. There's no way to get surprised by a rattlesnake, is there? But you might want to be careful if you're Richard Hurst because this man from North Mississippi was trying to do a snake a favor. And Richard Hurst has gone on social media this week to talk about what he's done outside of his home in Carroll County. Carrollton, that's about, Carrollton is what, uh, 15, 20 minutes east of Greenwood, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that from Grenada in North Mississippi. That's where he's from there. And Mr. Hurst put out on social media this week, my my wife found this snake in the driveway, which is a little too close to home. So I just eased a long piece of cane under him and picked him up. He was calm, and I probably could have pinned his head to pick him up, but there was no need in taking chances. So Mr. Hurst put the snake in the bed of his pickup to drive it a couple of miles for release in a wooded area. However... It didn't go as planned. That's why we're talking about it. The snake not only refused to stay put, but it also chose the driver's side door as an escape route. And he put up some pictures of this timber rattlesnake going right through his door, a roughly three-foot-long timber rattlesnake. According to the Mississippi State University Extension Service, timber rattlesnakes grow to five feet in the Magnolia State. Now, Mr. Hurst had a good laugh. He said, I guess I should have found something to put him in for the ride but it worked out fine and he's away from people he says i think he enjoyed the ride and now people commenting on this man's effort to help out a a little snake he's lucky this timber rattlesnake didn't get the best of him in carroll county mississippi and it's back maybe in its uh, woods having a good old time and 
hopefully not hurting anybody. That'll wrap up our news stories of the Southeast here on Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back, I'm going to get away from talking about rattlesnakes, and I'm going to tell you about some great festivals taking place across the Southeast this weekend. There's one heck of an event going on in the state of Alabama, and I'll tell you when the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent closes out this Thursday edition from the Dixie Cafe. Well, we got the cure for your summertime blues. Final segment here on the show all about Dixie. General John Rawl back with you. 803-816-1170 is our number to text us. Our website, y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. And the way to cure your summertime blues is to head out to some great festivals. Much, many, I should say, of these festivals are currently undergoing some COVID-19 restrictions, so you better double-check each one of these I list about their latest policies and more. But we'll start off here in Catoosa, Oklahoma, this weekend. It's Wine and Jazz Festival 2021, and this is taking place at the Belladonna Wedding Chapel in Catoosa, Oklahoma. Yes, enjoy some good wine and a little jazz to go along for the fun. In Biloxi, right on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, this weekend it's Black Beach Weekend, and they've got a summer beach festival. Essentially, this is a huge event where black college students from across the country, they go down to Biloxi, get a little sun, a little surf, some good music, maybe a little good shrimp and grits or whatever else college kids eat these days, and they have a good time in Harrison County, Mississippi, as part of the Black Beach Weekend. That is going on this weekend. This week in Louisville, Kentucky, the Kentucky State Fair is going on at the Kentucky Exposition Center. That is on Phillips Lane, and that's taking place in the Bluegrass State this weekend. Fayetteville, Arkansas. How about this? Fayetteville Roots Festival at the Fayetteville Town Center on West Mountain Street. Get to Fayetteville before college football begins because I doubt you'll be able to find a room. (laughs) Might not even be able to to breathe with all the students and fans flocking to northwest Arkansas when the Hogs, especially for their first, I think it's their first home game, they've got the Texas Longhorns coming in for a big game in just a couple of days. So that's what's taking place in the natural state this weekend. This actually is already underway, the Fayetteville Roots Festival, and it lasts until Sunday if you can make your way to Fayetteville, Arkansas. This weekend in Louisiana, it's the Gonzales Jambalaya Festival, and that's at the Gonzales Civic Center. Gonzales Civic Center is located on Irma Boulevard. Man, Louisiana and Jambalaya, that's one heck of a festival. And you know if it's 
jambalaya, and it's in Louisiana. It's got to be good. You can't have a festival for something that your state's already known for, and it'd be awful jambalaya. So, yeah, that is a great weekend option if you're looking for something to get you through. That would be the trick. Back to the beach we go in Virginia Beach, Virginia this weekend. It's the Virginia Beach Funk Fest Beach Party. And that's on Atlantic Avenue at Virginia Beach Oceanfront. That lasts Friday and Saturday. Again, what a name. The Virginia Beach Funk Fest Beach Party. Taking place this weekend in the Old Dominion. This weekend in Charleston, Technically, North Charleston, if you want to get specific, at the Riverfront Park. It's the Charleston Smoke Show. Barbecue and Beer Fest is the nickname. This is taking place at North Charleston's Riverfront Park on Everglades Avenue. This is both Saturday and Sunday. How about a little Q? They should have some good Carolina mustard-based barbecue somewhere in the mix and some other great selections at the Charleston Smoke Show Barbecue and Beer Fest. This weekend in Branson, Bass Pro Shops Outdoor Autumn Festival. That's at Table Rock State Park. Check it out all weekend long. Of course, Bass Pro has their great little resort there outside of Branson. And the capital, if you will, of Bass Pro Shops is just up the road in Springfield. In Baltimore this weekend, this is one heck of a festival, at Power Plant Live on Marketplace, it's the Maryland Mac and Cheese Festival. That's Saturday and Sunday right there in Baltimore. Go get your fill of Maryland Mac and Cheese. This weekend in Young Harris, Georgia, the North Georgia Highlands Seafood and Wine Festival. That's at the Mayor's Park in Young Harris. And that takes place all day Saturday. Right there on the North Carolina state line is where you'll find Young Harris, Georgia, and get your fill of both wine and and a little seafood. In Foley, Alabama, on the eastern shore this weekend, Bacon and Brew Music Bash. That's taking place on Laurel Avenue at the Heritage Park Marketplace. Bacon and beer. Hmm, that sounds like a good combo, don't you think? This weekend in Tampa, Hats, Sticks, and Stilettos Fall Blues Fest. That's at Tabella's at Delaney Creek. That's taking place this weekend in the big, big, big city of Tampa, A little hat, a little stick, stilettos, and more. Perfect weekend plans. If you don't have any, get to Tampa. And a lot of airlines are now flying into Tampa, so you have no excuse if you're a long way off from Tampa. Say, honey, let's go get on that Southwest Airlines flight and head on down and get our stilettos on. This weekend in Cookville, Tennessee, it's the WCTE Downtown Film Fest. A film festival in late August. That sounds delicious. And what is WCTE? Well, that is the longtime PBS affiliate in Cookville and Putnam County, serving the Upper Cumberland region. And this PBS affiliate, kind of the headline sponsor of this downtown film festival that's taking place in the home of Tennessee Tech University, and that's taking place Saturday all day. A great little film festival for all you filmies out there. This weekend in Houston, Texas, it is the Texas, Louisiana Zydeco Festival. Love Zydeco, love Cajun music. And if you can get your way to BH Ranch on Player Street in Houston this weekend, you can participate in this great event. In Durham, North Carolina, 
Friday and Saturday, it is the Bull Durham Blues Festival at the Haytai Heritage Center on Old Fayetteville Street. Yeah, Bull Durham. Yeah, that's a baseball movie. But they're actually going to salute blues at the Bull Durham Blues Festival going on this weekend in North Carolina. And as we wrap up our listing of great events going on across the southeast this weekend, we'll wrap up in the Mountain State where this weekend in West Virginia, Hurricane West Virginia to be specific, it is the West Virginia Cupcake Festival at Valley Park in Hurricane. This is all afternoon on Saturday. How about a festival that is specifically (laughs) devoted to one of the greatest creations the good Lord ever made, cupcakes. And you can go celebrate cupcakes of all varieties and enjoy a good time in Hurricane West Virginia this weekend. Again, those are 16 great southern festivals. It is not a crime to get out and see the south, and that's exactly what we want you to do this time of year. We only have a couple weeks before the summer is officially over with, so enjoy the Southland and enjoy a good road trip. And again, make sure for each one of these festivals I just mentioned, you go and research them a little more and make sure they're still, first of all, going on. But secondly, you follow the local guidelines in terms of COVID-19. That wraps up our Y'all Show here for this Thursday. Again, on Friday, we're going to have a best of for all of our radio listeners. We will be at the doctor's office. You know, that kind of happens for people from time to time. So we'll have that episode for you. For all of you listening, thank you so much for being a part of the show that's all about the South. We will be right back here on Monday with an all-new show covering everything Dixie. John Rawl signing off. Our website, y'all.com. It is the South's homepage. Have a great rest of your day, great weekend, and keep it southern.